Good humor is the health of the soul. Sadness is its poison. What a great quote from Lord Chesterfield. And really important to remember when listening to this next episode of Heal, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Welcome to this episode of Heal. I'm so excited that I have this special guest. Okay, I know I say this every time, but this is a really cool special guest. Um, His name is Bobby Hedgelin Taylor, and he is in New York City, and he happens to be, I have to look at my notes because I'll never remember all of these words in sequence. Ready? He is a circus and aerial sequence designer. What the hell is that, you ask? (laughs) What is that, Bobby? Hi, Bobby. Hi. Well, whenever you go to the theater and see anything there where a performer flies off the stage, like Peter Pan or anything like that, um, that is considered aerial sequence design. And because I have a circus background, uh, I also teach circus performing to actors who do different things in shows. Um, so let's say the store, it's, it's whatever, t- whatever the story needs. I don't like what we call gratuitous flying where it's like, ooh, there's somebody flying for no apparent reason. You know, like you go see that show in, in Las Vegas with Celine Dion and the, the clown is playing a, a non-existent piano and he's floating over her head while she's singing. And it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, so it doesn't really tell you a story, but I like the idea is that circus and aerial sequence design in a musical or a theater event is that we sort of we turn the page so it's like you're reading the story if you were reading the story out loud and then you say oh and peter flew into the window well peter flies into the window so how do you do that what kind of equipment does that require does that require automation does it require a computer or could it be done with a giant hefty flyman holding a rope most of the time you know it's it's brief but yeah. it helps, it literally elevates the story. Right. Um, and that's, that's my goal with that kind of work. And um, in musicals, especially uh, nowadays, everything on Broadway is like, ooh, we have to have that, that wow factor. So right. that's the kind of stuff that I do. And that's the kind of stuff that I haven't done for the past 18 months. I was months just gonna because, say, <laughs> because, yeah, I know, right? So people who yeah. usually listen to this podcast are like, what the hell is he yeah, doing? Exactly. And I was gonna say, the reason why Bobby joined me today is because over the past, okay, let's figure it out. How many months has it been? March to March, April, May, June, July. That's, <laughs> I'm doing it on my fingers. 16. 16. <laughs> I'm a kindergarten teacher, sorry. Um, past 16 months, you haven't been able to do that. So not only have you not been able to do that, but you've also have, like all of us, dealt with this COVID. And during this time, you've suffered a lot of loss. So the reason why Bobby um, agreed to come on and why I wanted him to come on was Um, his story, his story of the past 16 months and how he's used humor and probably a lot of other things, creation of the book, um, you know, connection, talking with people um, to overcome. And and again, I don't like to use the word overcome. I just can't come up with another word yet to describe what I mean when I say dealing with grief, dealing with loss, dealing with the past 16 months, you know, so he's here because he's used humor, which can be one of my words and heal 
H, humor. <laughs> How do you use humor in the past 16 months to get you through everything that you've gone through? So we know what Bobby does. Let's talk about um, 16 months ago, how things were going and what happened, if you feel well, comfortable so doing No, that. absolutely. 16 months ago. Um, so I was ramping up for a very busy year. I had four shows that were coming into the city. Uh, the first was a superhero musical with female superheroes. And um, it was opening off Broadway. It's called Super You. And I uh, trained one of the actresses to fly and she flies on an aerial hoop. Um, so that show, I mean, I know all the shows that I had that were coming in obviously were postponed or canceled. Mm -hmm. um, March 10th was the last time I saw my mom because she was in a nursing home and March 11th was the day that the governor shut down all visitations to nursing homes. So I saw my mom for the next 11 days on FaceTime and she was one of the first people to pass in the nursing home That's a shame. on March 21st. And um, the, the, we believe it was COVID. There was no COVID tests at that time. But the reason we believe it was COVID is the next morning I woke up with COVID. I had 104 oh. fever. I couldn't taste or smell anything. Now, mind you, I don't have any taste anywhere. I wear the same clothes every day. I don't, you know, don't have any, <laughs> any taste whatsoever. Um, you know, oh, but, you're funny. But um, I, I had the fevers. I had the headaches. I had this, you know, it was awful. It was not... People who compare it to the flu are dumb, have never had it. <laughs> right, <laughs> they just don't understand. This, not, this was not the flu. Yeah, um, I was or they're just listening to the wrong news source, that's why. Well, there's that too. Yeah. There was mm -hmm. a lot of misinformation going on. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I guess uh, at that time, no one really truly, maybe some people knew, but we really didn't know what the hell was happening. No, and and, mm -hmm. the, and the fact that it, came, it, it snuck up on us in New York, yeah. and I live in Queens, New York, which was the outbreak because Queens, New York has two airports and we're a hub. So we get international flights all the time. Yeah. So all of the international flights that were coming in, people from all over the world who had already contracted COVID were bringing it here. Wow. And then all the hubs, the, that's where the outbreaks began, San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, Atlanta. That's where the bigger, the bigger outbreaks happen. So mm -hmm. I live between the two airports. So, um, I live closer to the hospital where it was uh, really, really like overrun. Um, that must have been that must have been traumatic. It was just I, I, that. I took Never pictures. mind. Yeah. yeah, I took a lot of pictures. I have pictures of the makeshift morgues from the sidewalk. Oh, no, that's so I have sad. pictures of forklifts living lifting bodies into trucks. Um, uh, the funeral homes had refrigerator trucks. Um, my mother. It took almost six weeks to um, to cremate my mother. Um, because her, her wishes were to be buried next to my father. But when you have a global pandemic and the, yeah. you, can't, you can't cross the state lines, embalming, is, the embalming laws are different in different states. You don't have to, you do have to. Yeah. Who's gonna transport a body that could be COVID infected? You know, they didn't know anything. So we opted for cremation so that we could, you know, at least, at least have that Part of it taken over but it took right. about six weeks almost two months to get my mom's ashes um but uh, so that time period was awful mm -hmm. um the only thing that kept me going was my mother was a very funny lady yeah and so uh well i had been chronicle chron chronologically recording her um her little catchphrases as we say <laughs> i love that and, you had the forethought to do that yes not only um, because now she's not with you physically but 
but I feel like it just gives you so, it gives you solace. It, yeah. Remember, like you know, we we go through our lives sometimes, um, not super present, and having the, the the forethought to say that's hilarious. I need to write it down. You know, I, I've said that many times over the past fifteen years teaching, and this is no comparison, but it's similar. If I only just wrote down those funny things that those kids yeah. said, that just killed me. That oh I'd, pr- I'd probably be a multi-million dollar author at this point. No, I wish I was going to be a multi-million dollar author. You might be. Right, right. Um, but basically what happened was I would, in order in order to deal with her living, first of all, she lived with me for a short period of time. Then she went into a nursing home for five years. Yeah. So I would, in order to, I, I, I have this coping mechanism as well, which I learned from my mother. Yeah. about about really preparing um, your body preparing yourself um, for sad or dramatic events with humor yeah um, ways to look at things that you know you so just you can shut down that that drama meter you know mm-hmm. because I mean I'm Italian we break you know we break dishes like you know and we we scream <laughs> at each other and then we and then we you know and then we say let's go for coffee you know so it's That's like right. It, and I tell you, you can tell I can't, if I tied my hands behind my back, I couldn't talk. Um, <laughs> well, the other thing is that negative emotions that are lower vibrating, and this comes from my other, my background here and working with energy work. Um, if you're, if you, it's okay to be sad and to grieve and, and to, and to feel all of those emotions. However, um, it's a lower vibrating energy. So the feeling of love, the feeling of laughter and humor, and all of that is just a little bit higher. So not yeah. only... I mean, it's a great coping mechanism as long as you're also feeling the grief. And I'm sure you were. Right. Well, processing grief is different for everybody. And Absolutely. I, <laughs> I, I, I had so much anticipatory grief before mom died. Absolutely, I had prepared yeah. for that phone call. Yeah. The phone call, and this is, this is not to be disrespectful, but the phone call made me laugh. Why? Because he didn't say she died. The doctor just said, oh, I'm so sorry, but your mother expired. And I said, <laughs> was she a carton of milk? You know, no. what do you mean expired? Yeah. You know, how can you tell? That's so cold, first of all. That, yeah, I feel like that, that is cold. Was not, it was like your mom passed on, so, something more gentle, but she expired. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you have until July 20th. And, 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 I know. But um, so so what I did was I had started posting on on social media using the hashtag shit my mama says. Yeah. And and people would comment, laugh, share like, I love your mom. I've never met her. I want to meet her. And over the past six years, they gotten to know her through shit my mama says. (laughs) So that became when I when I when I put all of them into one place, I said, you know, and then I shared them, the, the, the group of them with different people. They're like, I'm crying and laughing at the same time. These are hysterical. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, my, uh, one, one funny thing that my mom said all the time, first thing I would do would ask her for her phone so I could check to see if anyone called to give her the messages. Mom, where's your phone? She'd grab her boobs and she'd say, right here between the only two suckers I can trust. <laughs> and then she'd grab the phone and hand it to me. And, then, and so, you know. So I wrote it down, I put it on Facebook and people just were just enamored with her. So each month there would be one or so I had this long list and then I would do searches to find the hashtag, thank God for hashtags. Yeah. Um, And so I compiled them into a a book, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I had had a different book idea 
And that yeah. was a cookbook. And the cookbook yeah. is called An Escape to Ravioli Mountain, a memoir in food. And so my mom's passing prompted me to dig into that area because I'm Italian. My family has amazing recipes and passed down recipes. So I started to write those and I started to write the little crazy stories. Like my first words were fucking reindeer. No way. No, first words, <laughs> hear to God, first words were fucking reindeer. Um, tell me why. Can you, can you tell me oh, that story? Sure, I'll tell you the whole story. It's very okay. it's cute. So um, I, I wouldn't speak. They thought I had um, like a speech impediment or that I was deaf. They couldn't figure out why I was not talking. And um, <laughs> so I was a toddler, you know. Um, yeah. So my mother always bought two of everything for my brother and I because we're close in age. We're not twins, but we always looked like twins at the school pictures. That must have been same, fun. Yeah. Same damn shirt, you know. Um, Talk about trauma. <laughs> I, I just found some of them recently and it was like I get all twitchy. Um, so, so, um, so she bought these two inflatable reindeer and put them beside the Christmas trees. Well, as toddlers will, they play with the inflatable reindeer. Now this is the 1960s. So these were not the sturdy, you know, they're not there. They were, they were the first round of inflatable items. So of course we try to ride it and it pops. Right. So then we start fighting over the other one. Um, and my mom grabs the reindeer, says, give me that fucking reindeer and throws it into the closet, <laughs> sends us to our, what she called our thinking chairs. Because oh, it, wasn't I love that. it wasn't called timeout back then. Yeah, but it uh, shouldn't be called timeout anyways. I like thinking well, chairs. Well, yeah, think, it's your thinking chair. Go to your thinking chair. I like it. Um, so, you know, and I guess I was thinking. Um, so, <laughs> so here I am. I must have been under two years old or, or, or about two years old because yeah. I was walking. Um, but I would not speak. My brother was chattering, 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 but I wouldn't speak. So we hear my grandmother's car pull up for dinner and we hear the door slam. And then she comes to the door. We both run to the door to greet her and I grab her skirt and tug on it and I point to the closet. Nana, Nana, fucking reindeer, fucking reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and start to cry. And of course my grandmother was looked in horror, but my mother's like, he can talk. <laughs> Those are so, the best first words ever. Oh, so the reason that I know that is leading up to mom's passing through all through January and February 2020, she was going back and forth to the emergency room. She had fallen. She had gastric issues. She had, um, she had some respiratory issues. She had different things happening that no one knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And that's where I believe I contracted COVID and she contracted COVID yeah. either late February, early March. Turns out later we found out other people had had been sick at that time too and yeah. didn't know what it was so we were sitting there in the er sometimes for 18 hours I'd that's amazing that's hours. just unbelievable and i would and she would talk and i would just let her talk and i had my computer with me so i was like i'm gonna write this down because these yeah. two, this is gold yeah. and you know she told me i was conceived on a beaver dam okay so so fast forward fast forward to after she passes and i remember the beaver dam story and yeah. then i go to our 1960s home movies that i had transferred to uh digital so that i put on our youtube put up on youtube for relatives and there's a camping trip it's before <laughs> i was born there's a cabin and there's a lake and wouldn't you know it, if you look at the lake, there's a beaver dam. That's <laughs> so, hilarious. So, so she was really telling you the truth. So I, you know, and 
honestly, what if 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 any? I mean, there's no way of knowing for me if any of these stories were 100 true. But She's Italian. I, Half of them have to be um, well, a little bit overblown. <laughs> I, I feel like that, but I also feel like when I've talked to other relatives about her and about these moments, they've all told me, "No, no, no. Your mom told me the same thing." Yeah. Um, they, she, she, you know, she told me, yeah, you did the X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I had that, um, I, I had checked them, you know, cause That's I right. was like, checked. I, I was like, Hey, did you hear this? Cause I, I'm writing this thing down and I'm, you know, but I didn't really realize at the time that it was like the end because I'd no. always, she'd always bounced back from everything. So this was different. She, she, she got, she got sick, um, a little bit during the week. And then she slowly, uh, you know, by the last day, she was still laughing. I have a great picture of us, uh, of our last picture together, which was on FaceTime, her laughing and, and me laughing because she, I forget what she had said, but we were both, we were both laughing hysterically. Yeah. And then the next morning she expired. Uh, she died the next morning. Um, yeah. Um, and I feel like, I feel like, okay, side note, getting serious for a moment. Mm-hmm. I really feel like people know when it's their time and whether they are able to articulate it, I think. And I think sometimes they're just ready. I do too. Um, I think you, you, you know, when you're done with this, with this, this air, this time period, this plane of existence. Right. And I believe that there's an afterworld. I believe my mother's spirit is still around. I don't, absolutely. I don't particularly believe that it's in this box of ashes, you know, No. Mm -mm. I believe that that's just the last part of her physical shell. Yeah. And that her spirit is still around and her, her energy, her spirit and her light, not only I say live within you, but mm-hmm. is always going to be around you. It's so period. Lion King of you. Um, <laughs> if, if I took my hair out of these braids, I would look like Mufasa. There we go. <laughs> no, there's a song. He lives in you, you know, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, rent free. The bitch lives rent free in my head. <laughs> now, if Brittany was here interviewing you with me, she'd say the same thing about me. Oh, oh, I have a my, one of my favorite quotes from Leslie Jordan. Was, oh, he's he was like, he was like, my mother, my mother can push my buttons because she installed them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, they are so like ingrained. Yeah. But, yeah. but it taught me so much. And I'm not a writer, I'm not an editor, and I'm not a chef. But I wrote a cookbook and I wrote my mother's quotes in the past two years because I'm an artist and I've been an artist my whole life and a movement specialist. So when you can't, when you can't move... You have to create another way. And yeah. so my expression mm-hmm. became the book and I found myself chuckling. I found myself crying and laughing and laughing and crying. It's like healing an evening with healing. Liza Nelly. You know? uh, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> laughing, crying, dancing. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, and it's, it's part of the, uh, it's just part of the way that I coped and it helped me, it helped me connect with people during a really scary time. And I didn't tell anybody that I was sick. I was really quiet about it because we didn't know what was going on. But you know, this is another way that she lives on. She's going to live on and, and not only your life, but it's, um, and everybody, like everyone who gets this book, yeah. I need that. I, I desperately need an Italian cookbook. So I. Oh, if, well, the cookbook is called Escape to Ravioli Mountain. Yeah. Mem- a memoir in food. So my great grandfather and grandfather bought a plot of land in Pennsylvania. Yeah. My great grandfather had 13 children, and my grandmother's the eldest of 13. And so they all bought plots of land around him. So through the 1940s, that little 
cabin on the hill grew to this entire hill where all of his family or most of them lived around him. Yeah. And it got the derogatory nickname Ravioli Mountain, my yeah. father. And when I would visit my father at his job, a lot of the a lot of his coworkers were like, hey, he lives up there on the Ravioli Mountain. <laughs> you know, everybody's Italian, everyone's related. So yeah. I never had a neighbor who wasn't a relative. That's and crazy. So I didn't and and so in that in little insular Italian Ianas port on the top of a mountain, <laughs> um, you know, I learned about the family history. I learned about the family food. I lived with my grandmother for a period of time in the seventies. So I learned how to make homemade pasta and all those, all those things kept flooding back after mom's passing. And so I wrote them down and I wrote down like the story of my first words is in there. You know, the beaver dam stories in there. We had <laughs> before I was born that we had a trained pig named lucky who was the stud pig of the yard. He was uh, certainly lucky. He was lucky. Yep, yeah, he didn't. And then he died a very old, happy pig. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, he didn't turn into bacon sandwiches. He he was the only one that was lucky enough to live a full life. That's why yeah. they named him lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, so those stories became this mini memoir of my of my time in in the seventies, and so um, and then the recipes just came back my grandma's bolognese my grandma's baked ziti oh my gosh cooking you know like all of those yeah. things i can't and wait so, to get this book i'll tell you something i I'm will a send I am a, you a copy for i will sure. buy no i will support <laughs> and buy a copy i am i'm a I'm half italian as i told you mm -hmm. and my parents were divorced when i was very very young and so i spent a lot of time on the weekends with my dad however his parents had already passed um actually his mom his dad passed when he was very young but his mom passed when I was probably three or something. So I, I didn't really know her. Nothing was passed down uh, to me at all. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I know how to boil spaghetti. Mm -hmm. um, I do have my aunt's rolling pin and it's sort of displayed. I still have my grandmother's I, wooden yeah, spoon. I don't know what to do with it yet. And uh, like, I, I'm desperate to learn. Part, part of the rule of, of, of Italian cooking, first of all, is that it doesn't matter if it's a recipe that's passed down. It really matters is that why are you making this? And most for, of the time yeah. it's for family, yeah. it's for connection. Like um, the second, the chapter two is called Antipasto, A-U-N-T-I-E, like my aunties. Yeah. Because the Antipasto platter at every family gathering was done by my aunts. And we're talking, we're not talking just like this little tiny cutting board. We're talking like mounds of meats, deli and, meats and cheese, mm. roasted vegetables, roasted, uh, roasted garlic, all every roasted vegetable you ever would imagine was on that platter. I need that recipe. Oh my God. It's in the book. Um, I, I so, can't wait. I can't wait. So my point is in, in the epilogue of the book, I say, make your own ravioli mountain. Take, take my recipes pass them on, give them the, you know, pass them to your daughter, but, but let it be known that this is your heritage too. And this is, you know, these are, these are recipes that maybe my grandmother altered because we're Sicilian and Sicily is like, it's like its own country because it is, we, I know. we don't even speak the same Italian. As I know the there's rumors that my grandfather came from Sicily, but he wanted to hide that when he came here. So who knows? I, I it was again in that, in the turn of the century, it's very funny the way systemic racism works in our country. The Italians were actually not appreciated at that time. No. Nope. And they, you know, they were they were really looked down upon and um the one a lot of Italians migrated to different parts of the country like West Virginia. I didn't know had the hugest Italian 
um, settlement. And that's why in, in, in West Virginia, there's a huge Italian family, uh, families there, but they, the, um, the big thing was pepperoni rolls were huge in West Virginia. My and sister why? makes a great pepperoni roll. <laughs> because they were in the mines. The only jobs yeah. that the Italian immigrants could get was in the, working in the mines. So how do you send somebody with lunch to go to down in a hole in the ground? Yeah. Well, you send them with something that's portable that they can heat up, uh, you know, somewhere, or they don't even have to heat no, up. No, just eat it. And just, eat, you know, so the pepperoni roll was the fastest way to get a filling lunch to their spouse who's working in the mines in West Virginia. Wow. So, so I, so in, in doing that, I like connected with different people of different Italian heritage. Now, I don't think many people can claim a direct Sicilian heritage unless you've been living on Sicily your whole life. But even the five, the, 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 the Sicilian invasion of 563 AD was invaded by the Celts. So hello, even if you are a full-blood Sicilian, <laughs> you can look like Richie Cunningham. You know? And that's but, what Bobby sort of looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> you know. Red Would hair, you call your hair red? I was going to say, is your it's hair definitely, red? Yeah, I'm a ginger. Yeah, I'm, well, it's a little white in these days, you know. But that uh, just looks like a little blonde. We can call yeah, it blonde. Yeah, Bobby. we call it blonde. But uh, when you look at it at the hairdressers, it's white. Yeah. Um, but um, so that that brought all of those stories together, and that's yeah. the point. The point is, this was my story, and I'm sharing it. A lot of these. A lot of these stories were from my mother telling yeah. me, you know, or my grandmother even telling me about how the mountain was created. And what, we just found a box of about, oh God, it's got to be a thousand photos from the 1920s and 1920s. Oh my gosh, that's so priceless. And I found um, my great grandmother's wedding photo from Sicily, 1915. And I kind of look like her, which is really bizarre. Just and put I a little wig. Yeah. <laughs> So this is, I can, you can show, I can, so this is 1915. That's my great grandma, Elsie. I'm looking, I'm trying great, to look at the, um, both of you. And that's great grandma, Frank, great grandpa. Wow. Frank. I think you look a little like him. Yeah. There's a little bit of both. I think and the I got, nose and the I think eyes. I got maybe. the nose. Yeah. Yeah. So that picture is over a hundred years old and I'm sitting there holding it. Like, this is my great grandma that I never met because she died in 1919 of tuberculosis. That's crazy. Um, it was rumored too that she also died from the Spanish flu. Isn't that would so be, bizarre? Would be, you know, I, I mean, I'm trying to do some research to figure out because no one other than my great other than my grandmother would probably know how she passed. Um, it's funny, there's no grave records of her either from that time period. So I don't know. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm just looking into seeing what, because what a, what a journey to have, if she, even if she did, didn't die, she died right after the first pandemic of the country. And I'm writing this book during the second. Okay. So later. here's the other stuff that I work with here in my little shop. Um, ancestral, um, karmic the karmic things that are carried down how insane and crazy is is that that your mom it's almost as if yeah it's almost as if it was meant to be and it was meant to come out that way um because that's when my family came here that's where you know that's when the, you know people immigrated yeah. it was right after the titanic because that was the that was the time period of yeah. people coming to the united states for a new life and and then here you have this this dramatic change um, 
in in with pandemic and people you know people died uh it was before vaccines and things like that so not only that but let me just argue that this pandemic and i'm and i'm just please correct me if i'm being silly um prompted you to then tell a story of your family yeah so yeah it really did is that ironic is that considered that's ironic what I'm, i don't know if it's karmic but there was a lot of divine intervention i felt happening yeah and uh, and it wasn't it was it was like tell your story now's yeah. the time to create art and tell your story and it's not and just your story truly it's your whole family yeah goes back year, uh, generations it really does and um you know the more the, the more that i dig um and and like i was saying one month from today is my mother's memorial service now we lost five people six people to the pandemic so we are interring all of their ashes at the same time and um so uh it was prompted by my you know my mother i wanted to bury her last year but it, there was no way i want a family reunion as well i think I it's important to... especially since what you have been able to create over the past year with your books yeah. um i think it's important i think that's important i do too and yeah. um you know uh shit my mama says is going into her ash vault i'm so, so whether, happy uh, i'm waiting i'm probably hitting the publish button on Friday. And as soon as that happens, it's usually eight to 10 days before you get a physical copy. So the first physical copy will be at the memorial and go into her asphalt. I love and that. It's like a time capsule for me. You know, yeah. it's like sending her off and anybody a hundred years from now digs up that grave and has, and then they have this, they have the story of who's in this little urn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know if a lot of people do that because a lot of, a lot of graves and a lot of funerals where people, oh, I put a six pack of beer and your <laughs> and ashes of your dog and with Uncle Charlie, you know, but did you put Uncle Charlie's story in there? And and my, I say Uncle Charlie. My father's name was Robert, but everybody called him Uncle Charlie. But, oh. Um, when he died, we actually did. Um, his dog had just passed. So we put his dog at the foot of his, of his, of his casket and, um, and uh, people put pictures and things like that in there, you know, so I get all of that. And, um, you know, with my mom, it's like, this is really special because she was, she was my, she was my buddy. We, this yeah. is the only person I believe I've talked to every single day. There were very few days that we did not speak. Yeah. And um, up to the day before she passed. And, uh, you know, it was even, it was, she passed three hours before our phone call would have happened. So um, I wish know, Brittany was here with us and I hope she listens to this. I'm going to have to yell at her again, but well, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to yell at her. But we have a really good relationship as well. Now, yeah. do we talk on the phone with our voices every single day? No. no I definitely text. text her. Yeah, um, but I don't know about every day either because I think she would think I'm insane because I yeah. am one of those worrying Italian moms yeah. who's like, Oh my God, she's not responding. Oh my God, she's dead. Um, right. Or <laughs> I hear, I say this story all the time, but I'll be, I'm, I live in uh, Massachusetts, South of Boston in a town called Mansfield. And she uh -huh. lives in Rhode Island in Providence, which is probably 15 minutes away <laughs> by car. And if I hear sirens in Mansfield, I'm like, Oh shit, I hope Brittany's okay. <laughs> like uh, that's insane but so 
I, I make sure that I check in with her constantly. Yeah, um, but so I, I, get that I did it more than she, she would call me when she had something to complain about yeah. <laughs> or wanted or wanted me to, it's, oh my God, she called me once and she, and, and it's in the book. She said, Bob, you got to bring me some Depends. The diapers <laughs> here squash my bug. <laughs> I was like, okay, mom, you got it. I Don't wish I knew her. Oh, yeah, she's so that's, awesome. See, that's the thing. Like anybody who's dealt with a person with dementia, yeah, they realize there are two things that happen. One, one, they either get very sweet or they get very angry. Mm -hmm. My mother aired on the sweet and funny side till the mm -hmm. day she died. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing though, is that it's not that dementia is different than Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, if you show someone a set of keys and they, they don't know what it is or what it's yeah. used for. Someone yeah. with dementia looks at the set of keys and says, I don't know which key opens the door. Yes. Yeah. So they still have some cognizant um, ability and my mom knew everybody she knew me she knew my cousins she knew my brother she knew she knew the family she didn't remember that my father or my grandmother had passed she didn't remember that her sister had passed she yeah. didn't she didn't remember those things she thought it was 1952 and she had a green DeSoto down in the garage oh, so wow. every time she was frustrated she would threaten me that she was going to go downstairs get in her DeSoto and drive to Pennsylvania yeah um so you know, so those were the, the those were the things, but 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 people dealing with that, it it worked. It, it I always I always tell people when they're dealing with you know what I'm experienced with having a mother in a nursing home, it's use the adage of the airplane. When you're on an airplane, what does the stewardess tell you to do with the oxygen mask? Yeah, put your mask on first before you put on somebody else's. Take care of yourself yeah. before you take care of them check thyself before you wreck thyself <laughs> it's in the bible i just put it there um but you know when mom was living with me the last couple of days i was sleeping in a chair next to her couch she mm -hmm. i didn't she didn't have a bed bedroom so she slept on my couch but i slept next to her in a chair so yeah. that if she got up to go to the bathroom i got up walked her to the bathroom walked her back yeah. i wasn't living I no. was exhausted. I was in pain. I just had hip replacement three months ago. That's and, crazy. And I was supposed It's crazy to, to me that you do that. You go, you do what you do and you just had a hip replacement. Well, no, I, I mean, I can't do what I do anymore as far <laughs> as physically demonstrating things, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the sequence and design is an, is something that happens off stage, and it's a design element that happens in the rehearsal room that yeah. you pass on to other people. It's like, this is my drawing. I want you to yeah. recreate it. Yeah. Um, so, so where that's concerned, you know, but I was told in 2014 that that's when the hip replacement had to happen. Wow. And I was like, my mom's living with me. There's no way I'm going to recover when I'm sleeping next to somebody yeah. to make sure that they don't fall out of the couch or fall in the bathroom. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, though the, I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't taking care of anything. I was really just, you know, she was my, my focus. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, that, but the, but people have gotten so much of a kick out of yeah. me sharing these online, sharing them in, uh, in private. Some people have gotten a chance to read the full book and they're like, I'm laughing, I'm crying. I mean, and then, you know, story, stories popping back in my head about when my mom did X, Y, and Z. And then I was like, do it, write it down. 
everybody has auto dictation on their phone. Yep. I wrote most of my books on my phone. Yep. I'd be sitting there going, you know, and then mom told me that you know, and I was, <laughs> that's hilarious. I tripped and fell down the stairs and I have the Harry Potter scar because of it. And, you know, but, you know, and then you go back and you have to edit it before you send it to yourself because autocorrect has a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. No kidding. I mean, I'd, I'd be on walks and I'd have this divine, I call them downloads because I'd be walking and all of a sudden I have this great, what I think is a great idea. I don't know where that came from. So I'll get my phone and I'm talking uh, into my phone and I don't understand half of what it says when yeah. I get home. So, yeah, I had to do a lot of that. I had to do a lot of guess, guess editing because <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I was saying here, but all right, I guess I can take it out because I got to say crazy. when I'm done with the walk, the idea is gone. I don't remember it anymore. Right, oh. right. But I, I, I had to really like that's the kind of stuff I had to do. I yeah. also do a thing called mind mapping, which I learned from. Oh, um, Sherlock Holmes. No, actually, um, there was a there's a there's a, there's a self-publishing school that's out there and yeah. they had a three day uh, thing called Author Advantage Live. And I, I joined that because it came to me at the time that I was writing the book. So I'm like, this is perfect. Let me at least get some education. I'm not a writer. I, I'm the king of the run on sentence. It's literally like one, <laughs> every book was one sentence, no yeah. punctuation, no, you know. So uh, a mind map is, okay, I have this idea. Um, let's say I have an idea about a musical, or no, I have an idea about a book, for a book, exercise techniques for people with hip replacement. Okay. So then you write that in the center of a page. Yeah. In a circle around that, you write every word that comes to mind about the word in the middle. Yeah. And you don't stop writing until the pen can't move anymore and you can't, you just can't think of anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And then transfer it. And then you basically written, you basically have all your chapters. You basically yeah. have all of your exercises all in one spot. <laughs> that I'm, and I'm looking around me right now because I literally, well, we, first of all, we teach kids how to do that when they're writing. So mm -hmm. um, it's a web, we call it a web. It's the mm -hmm. same idea. Um, yeah. What's really but funny. I, I had never heard of it before. Ah, so well, really, you know, you're not so, a teacher. I teach kids. No, well, I mean, I am a teacher and I have taught kids, but not, oh. I, I've taught kids acrobatics. You know, yeah. I was a gimnastics coach. But for why on earth would you, you're not teaching them you know, how to write. And you're exactly, not teaching them how to tell exactly. a story. Stop that cartwheel, sit down and get your pen. That's right. So you can't <laughs> see this, but this is very similar. It's like, oh, you yeah. can't see it at all. Uh, I can see some of it. Yep. There yeah. we go. And then I've got all these things that come off of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I do. That's yeah. how my brain thinks, actually. It's, so that, that really helped me. Um, it helped me focus. It helped me get my ideas in one place. Yeah. Um, you know, and then and then there were other ideas that ended up being an idea for another book. That's right. You know, That's I, what I, I spent, ended up. Yeah. So you yeah. end up having all this stuff, and you're like, you know what? That actually is heavy, hefty. Yeah. You know, so I can just move it over here for another. Right. I had I had worked. You know, I've worked in the circus world for at least thirty years, over 30, 35 years, actually. Um, so performing as a trapeze artist and acrobat and all of that, yeah. you come across some great and funny events that happen in your life. And that was one of my things. And I'm like, okay, let me finish yeah. these two books before I even start this one. But Absolutely. I know that that's in the back of my head that, you know, now that I have my, you know, that I, I'm done with my acrobatic career, there's no, just, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I'm at yeah. peace with it though. Yeah. Um, but I can write about it and I can write about it humorously because now I know, you know, this, this is the other thing I, in all the years that I've done 
theater, circus, and I was a stand-up, I did stand-up for a while. Yeah. All the years of doing stand-up comedy and things like that, it really trains your brain to think on your feet when the audience is in front of you. And there is yeah. nothing more addictive to me than an audience laughing. And that's where you got the do. that's where you got the nickname from me, Pivot King. <laughs> Pivot King. I'm also, you know, somebody else called me the multi-hyphenated artist. And I was yeah. like, wow, that, you know. I'll take when it. Life, life gives you, you know, life gives you lemons. Don't make lemonade. Make a lemon chiffon cake. Make limoncello. <laughs> you know, make lemon tiramisu with my grandmother's limoncello. You know, get out. You know, there, there's there's a difference in, in, in the way that, you know, um, you know, yes, life is full of pivots. You have to pivot in. And in New York, living in New York this is one of the most expensive places to live on earth. Mm -hmm. I can't, you can't survive with one job. You can't survive with one thing. So during the pandemic, I'm a, I'm an, I'm a licensed officiant. I fish, officiated six weddings, both on Zoom and in person. I did two stand-up gigs that I got paid for. I did a voiceover that I got a, got a big check for. I did a voiceover in my bedroom on my, on, on this headset. <laughs> and got paid for it right um i did stand-up comedy for uh there was a it was a it was a zoom call that uh, for people and they wanted they wanted to have somebody imitate joan rivers and or joan rivers voice and comment in the way that she would about everyone what everyone's wearing um and i did that and so it was like it was little ways to trick my brain into Hey, I'm in a cage right now. The world is in a cage. Yeah. Every people are dying left and right. I was losing friends. I was losing family members. Um, it would take two and a half hours to get to the supermarket and back because you'd have to wait online to get into the supermarket and you only had 30 minutes. So right. literally the line went out the door and you'd have, you know, so I have photos of, of that. I really documented, you know, we had a hospital ship in the port in New York. Oh yeah. We yeah. had the Javits Center that turned into, you know, was was also going to be a hospital. All the hospitals here had makeshift morgues for refrigerator trucks. Now granted, that's what happens in a crisis. Right. But it's traumatizing to someone who's never seen it. Right. Or didn't even know it existed. Right. So, you know, I I I documented all that because it was it was, you know, we were we were living in fear of this, yeah. this horrible thing that was taking people. Um, and I, if I sat in that cesspool of despair any more than two minutes a day, yeah. I would be a basket case. I didn't yeah, have we all would have. Yeah. Yeah. I had to create my own therapy. And part of it was reliving the funny times with my mom and cooking for people really like, you know, I would make my, 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 my friend Susie lives around the corner. And we reconnected a lot over the pandemic because she's an, she's also an author, so she became a mentor of mine. But she was also my food tester, so I would make oh, nice. pesto lasagna and mushroom lasagna. I wish I had lived closer. And, and I would leave a bag. <laughs> uh, I would leave a bag on my mailbox, and she would come around and grab it. And then, as things started to lighten up, I make infused alcohols. So mm -hmm. that's part of my book as well. So we would have Sunday brunch in my garage, the garage door open, six yeah. feet apart with masks. And I would make two cocktails and I would make some, sometimes a dessert, my grandmother's lemoncello um, 
Lemoncello Tiramisu was a huge hit. Oh my gosh, that sounds fabulous. Amazing, it's incredible. It's but listen, I am, I, I'm thinking of all of the people who are going to get this book for Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. Well, like the, the, I'm, I, what, this is the other thing too. Ship My Mama Says is one of those small books like you see, like this is actually like one of the, this is um, one of the books that I modeled it after. The okay. song called I Hope You Dance. Yeah. And, and it's this beautiful little book and you would find it in a card store at Perfect. the checkout. Perfect. And, and you know, like uh, these little books are this, so it's like, you know, you're gay when. <laughs> um, this is brilliant. It's a brilliant book if you're a gay man. Um, but anyway, these little books were how, they're how people would would gift something for under ten dollars that made people laugh, made people chuckle. Yeah, I, I didn't realize laugh. it was small like that. That's even better. I can get even more now. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. Like, if if your price point, okay, I'm going to give you a secret. Okay. So, and then after your to... secret, we're going to take a quick, 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 quick oh, okay. break. Go. I'm going to. Okay, so I'm going to try to remember this. Um, there's four P's. The letter P. You have to remember in um in creating a book the first is pain what is your customer what's their pain yeah and what's your promise and the promise is what am i going to give you i'm going to give you laughter if you're having pain from being dealing with someone with dementia i my promise is you're going to laugh yeah um uh person yeah who's going to buy this and the last one is price so this book is under ten dollars and you can put it in a stocking and give it to a coworker and and you know not break your bank you can buy 10 of them and you know you know for under for a hundred dollars that's you right know. it's perfect that's 10 but that, gifts but that that's like that's what i wanted it for i didn't want it to i didn't i couldn't i don't i don't know anybody who could afford 30 dollars for that kind of a book i you know? actually was prepared so, to pay more, like more than 10 dollars. my mama <laughs> says it's about a hundred <laughs> quotes so it's a dollar a quote you know that's perfect <laughs> That's no, perfect. It's a hundred quote, hundred quotes, a penny a quote. Oh, see, look at that. I was already ready to pay a hundred bucks. I, I told you, well, I teach hey, kindergarten. We, uh, but do I, I, <laughs> I don't think your kindergarten kids would under would understand. You know, grab my boobs and say these are the only suckers I can trust. Well, but, I was their yeah. teacher for a long time, so they might. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. And All on right, that note, listen. Go, on that note, we have to go to break. <laughs> we have to take a break. We'll be right back. Yay. Okay. We're back with Bobby Hedgeland Taylor. We had such a great break. We were chatting about some fun things. I don't want to tell you about them. Anyway, it's just between us. Um, so I'm here with that, who I'd like to call the pivot king, Bobby, who was a circus and aerial sequence designer, still is. However, the past 16 months threw him out of that job because he wasn't able to um, teach actors to do that and actors weren't able to act in the past 16 months um, but what is he doing now he's doing so much he talked a little bit about his two books that are coming out escape to ravioli mountain and hashtag shit my mama says um, i'm buying both of them and if you are on my friend list you're probably going to get one of them <laughs> so uh, for christmas so stay tuned um, but you know what bobby also does weddings, he mentioned he's an officiant. So I'm going to start to go through his list of contacts for you. If you want to contact Bobby to do anything, because he is the pivot king and can, he sounds like the male version of me, um, has done everything and is probably willing to do anything. Am I right, Bobby? 
<laughs> well, yeah. I mean, porn is kind of out of the game right now. So no one's going to ask me to do porn for them. So I think that's okay. Yeah, I, I, people are traumatized enough. So <laughs> well, if they weren't before, they might be now. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, so Bobby is an officiant. And if you want to follow him on Instagram, um, it's weddings by Bobby. And you can actually have him to your wedding. Do you do it in different voices? Uh, or do you usually just do your own voice? Uh, you know, I have I, I have done a few, you know, some 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 of my my characters do visit uh, weddings by request. Um, nice. I did do one wedding as Eric Cartman from South Park. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know? And um, uh, and so um, I hope know. you charge extra for that. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Every <laughs> uh, every has something different and special about them. I learned about impressions because of a wedding one of my one of my friends was getting married and she said i want you to share the officiating duties with my friend tanya but we want you to dress as sunny and share and oh, we that's want funny sing, i got you babe live as sunny and share so we both we were like well we're, we're gonna do it and my sunny my sunny bono voice was eerily accurate according <gasps> to a lot of people so i fell in love with it and i and one of my friends is a is a fantastic impressionist and mm -hmm. she gave me you know i had a coaching with her yesterday even so it's like her name's mm -hmm. christina bianco she's incredible um but um there's very specific techniques for vocal changes and things like that to sound like another person like i told you i was stevie nicks this morning when i was yeah boys um so um when you when you when you get into that sort of thing um, it helps whatever people want for their wedding. I know a lot of people, there was one wedding where a person was like, it can't be more than 10 minutes. I don't want anything gush, gushy and lovey dovey. We really are just doing this for the piece of paper. And I was like, fine. fine. So funny money. story. My sister was the same way. Um, in Massachusetts, you can, you don't have to be an officiant. Well, you don't have to be a, um, oh gosh, now the word's gone. See, my brain plays tricks on me in the summer. I can't think. You can do a one day designation. You don't oh, have yeah. to become yeah. a minister, I guess yeah. is the word. And, yeah, um, they actually consider you clergy. So it was like my grandmother hilarious. got us, you know, I'm the clergy. You know, <gasps> my sister was the same. She's like, we don't want anything. Just say, yeah, you're married. I'm like, okay, I can do that. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, you're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So if you want to get married and you want uh, Bobby, he's done a Zoom wedding before, which yeah. I didn't even know you could do a Zoom wedding. But why couldn't you? Well, I guess you could. There was no way to do it during the pandemic. People had weddings scheduled during the pandemic. Yeah. So I just wrote the ceremony based on what the couple wants. We had a Zoom meeting. We we wrote down what they want to say to each other. And and then I get always gave them a chance to say what's in their heart. And that's I always, love that, though. You know, I do the you know, I do a couple of poetry readings. There's specific things there's um one thing i always include and always offer to include is um the native american wedding blessing which um is uh the apache wedding uh, i believe the apache tribe um and then there's some other uh non-denominational readings that are uplifting about the art of marriage oh. and there's one called the art of marriage so oh, that sounds so, so neat. So it, it is like it's an art form. It's another art form that helped me make some money during the pandemic. And yeah, be a little creative because you yeah. need to have that outlet. Yeah. And then you search for different things that are that are exclusive to that couple. Mm -hmm. They may, you know, I have one couple, they were country country music fans. So I went through 
some old, very beautiful country lyrics and mm -hmm. found found passages for them. So it's another it's an art form in itself. And like I said, I've done it on Zoom. I've done it in person with masks and without masks. But um, the the it's 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 another way that I share my art with people. Right, right. Again, and, creation and legal, is so And legally, important. they get to get married. You know, That's I right. get to sign a piece of paper that says, use a couple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as I have hives thinking about it. Just kidding. <laughs> I've been with the same person for 28 years and we decide we're not going to get married, which is perfectly fine. But yeah. I think it's ironic when people ask me if I can do their wedding. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yep. never done so one at weddings myself. by bobby for that if you want yeah and that's on instagram weddings yeah. by bobby and there are and a lot of photos of, of my instagram wedding of my of my uh, in, on instagram of all the weddings that i did even ones that i did at burning man uh which is a Ooh. festival in the desert in uh, i know what in that Nevada. is yeah I, I, that's I, so cool so yeah i've done weddings at legal weddings at burning man as well as uh you know in my backyard in, in Astoria, Queens with, you know, five friends and, and a couple that just needed a paper sign. I love but, that. You know, it was, it was special and it's still special for me. It is special. It's very special. Um, so the other Instagram, if you want to connect with Bobby on his uh, shit, my mama says, and escaped to Ravioli Mountain. Um, he doesn't have an Instagram for shit my mama says yet, but we think maybe the escape to Ravioli Mountain might be the way to I, get the word out. Yeah. I think that's going to be my, I think that's going to be my avenue, but who knows? I, well, you can follow him anyways. Just go follow him there because yeah. I'm sure you'll get some great things. And then if you want to hire Bobby for any circus or aerial sequence designing, he is available people and you can contact him. He has an email. He also has a uh, Bobby Hedgeland Taylor Instagram. I will spell his name for you. I hate to be that person, but I'm going to do it. It's Bobby. If you can't spell Bobby, then I don't know what to tell you. B-A-H-B-I-E-R-L-M-N-E-R-L-M-N-E-R-L-M-N-E-R-L-M-N-E-R-L-M-N-E-R-L-M-N-E-R-L-M-N-E-R-L-M-N-E-R-L-M-N-
So yeah, Mary Lou and um, so shit my mama says will be out first. Mom's birthday was August 7th and then her memorial service and ash burial is it's August the 14th. 14th. Can I tell you that's oh. my other sister's birthday? Oh, hey, like you were We're so talking, connected. There's a connection, especially like I said, finding that picture of my great grandma's wedding in 1915 at the and her passing around the time of the the, the, the pandemic of 1918 and then this book coming out of a, a nine uh, I'm a telling play. you yeah it's, there's some kind of a connection there and divine intervention but I agree um, uh, I you know when you're open to it it's just the floodgates open so I, I agree 100 the moment that you I will say this open, you know, one yeah. thing I learned about your podcast too about yes. healing you know, this was so healing for me when I did not have access to therapy. That's writing, right. But That's also right. like just talking to you is healing. Talking to friends, talking to people you, I talk to people in this on the subway now. I talk to people in line at the grocery store. I yeah, connection, myself. human connection is so I, important. And it's the one thing, well, other than, you know, lives and family members and all of that awful stuff, that happened over the past. That's the other thing that was taken away from us, just yeah. human connection. And but some we were people laugh and connected. Social media is not social. No, we were already disconnected. No, we could become more isolated and, with it. And now I find myself seeing a dog on the street. Stop. Can I pet your dog? What's your name? What is your secret? I was always like that. <laughs> but you know, not in New York. New York, we're very like, yes, you know, we, we, we have somewhere to go and something to do. And yeah. then we don't really look with blinders on. I'm not saying all New Yorkers are angry. No, I'm but not I, I an angry understand. New Yorker. No, but there's no. a there's a there's a, a cadence and a, a, a absolutely. You have somewhere to go, somewhere to be. You have to get there yeah, quickly. We, we have we have we have no bullshit time available. Now I'm making bullshit time available. It's important. I'm so happy that I you know the woman that lives literally on the other side of this wall in my living yeah. Room, yeah, I've never met and I've lived here for 18 years, saw her coming out of the apartment building next door, introduced myself. And I was like, oh, my God, I have a new friend that I would not have blinked and walked the other way and yeah. any other time. And I really feel like we crave that. And I really encourage people to take your time, pet some dogs, yeah. introduce yourself to somebody. You know, they may not be your friend for life, but take that time because we're no longer social. There's no such thing as social media. Right. It's just, it, you're you're basically you're basically logging on and chatting with your friends and making somebody a billionaire. That's right. Not only that, I feel like and and I'm gonna turn it around about me for a minute, but this because <laughs> you know I'm the youngest of eight. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> I, this podcast, I I'm this might be my 16th, 17th. I never remember which episode. You're gonna be my. Well, you I wrote it down. You, can't count past 16. I just figured that out. <laughs> I'm looking right now, you wise ass. Hold on. <laughs> such an asshole. Um, in such a good way. All right, hold on. Episode <laughs> 20. I'm surprised oh I could count up to 20. Yay. Um, I haven't had 20 guests because our format before was guest talk about the guest guest and, and not like in a bad way talk about the guest like how is no that you break down what they say recap recap that. yeah but um yeah <laughs> we'll talk about, don't worry um <laughs> but your episode 20 and i've i've actually been able to talk to so many neat people you included i would never have talked to before or known about 
you know, so I'm but just really, this really, is it. Connection, connection, and that's connection. The, that's what I wanted. You Like when I first saw your, your, your picture on the web, I was like, there's something about this person I want to get to know. And this is great because like, you know, I didn't know you were Italian or part Italian. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know any, I didn't know we both had pink glasses. Yes. You know? <laughs> you know? Listen, so. I identify as all Italian. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> I used to for a while there, but then when I did the research, that that Celtic invasion of 563 AD of Sicily screwed everybody up. So, you know, there's, you know, they raped and pillaged. So I'm sure I'm a throwback from the Celts, but. Well, you kind of look like you might be, but who knows? I think so too. I, but I showed, you know, like I showed you the picture of my great grandmother's wedding. I kind of yeah. look like them. Yeah, so, you do. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and, he, and it's like my, my mom gave me one of the best gifts and that was was humor and and it was her coping mechanism and yeah. i didn't realize that it was mine yeah as well and that i think it's mine too and yes. and sometimes it comes out in all the wrong ways oh, so i've, I've cut so it back i've cut it back and i yeah. i say things and i at least at the very least think things that i shouldn't so yeah i get the <laughs> church like, giggles a lot I, I call oh my gosh yeah no yeah i can't i can't do anything like you know some weddings i'm doing i'll cry during a wedding because i'm yes. like this is beautiful i wrote this and then I'm, <laughs> but then it's like you know and then i get the church giggles at different times you know so um and then i realized that when we would go to church my mother was not a religious person but when we would go to church and there was something dramatic or sad my mother would be poking us in the ribs to try to make us giggle and oh, I'm like, no. mom, you know, we were, we were, my grandmother's on the other side going, Mary Lou. <laughs> you know? so, I can't believe so, her name was Mary Lou. I'm dying but, right now. But that, but I remembered that and it yeah. made me laugh because it's, it was her, it was her as a mom. Yeah. Trying to care for her, for her, her cubs. Cause she was yeah. a leader caring for her cubs in a way wow. that she knew would protect them. And I know that, you know, everybody has dramatic things that happen in their childhood. No parent does it you know no parent no child comes with a an instruction manual and no yeah. parent does it on their own right. but that's where your healing begins and that's yeah. why i wrote this book to memorialize my mom i can't wait though yeah. let's just talk about that one more time um hashtag shit my mama says will be coming out friday next 10 days uh next friday, 10 days. friday friday well this is i hit publish friday or saturday morning depending on when i get all the the edits back Okay. And then once I hit publish, it's eight to 10 days before it's listed on all the platforms. So perfect. And then what about your cookbook? Because I could so, really use. So some... I'm in editing hell right now. So oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you can help me with this. So here's what I do. I cook live on Instagram with my friends. Yeah. So I test my recipes. You have to test every single recipe before you put it in the book, because if you make a mistake and you hit publish, guess what? The mistake. Someone's, yeah. Shit. So, so I, so I, I, I have recipes that I need to try out. I need to test still, but the editing port part is the most, is the most taxing because you have to go through the book page by page, yeah. line by line, front to back, back to front. Yeah. That's one thing, but then add, making sure the recipes work is another thing. Right. So, yeah. so I, the book, the book itself is finished except for four recipes. And I showed, I told you the, that, yeah. uh, no, never written a book in my life. The first draft I read, I was so proud of myself. And I was like, the title is called Escape to Ravioli Mountain. And I didn't put my grandmother's ravioli recipe in. So that's one of the recipes I'm testing. But that is, that is coming. I want to finish Shit My Mama Says because I want to, I want to memorialize my mom 
by her birthday, by her funeral, which is next yep. month. Yep. And I want one book to go into her ash vault. That's my, yeah. my dream and my goal for this process. Even if I have to print it myself and on paper and put it in, um, I, oh, by the way, she's being buried in an urn, but the urn is going inside her purse and with a set of keys because she always was, where's my purse? Where are my keys? Where's my purse? Where are my keys? So I, I love said, it. This was, my, you know, my mom, that the, those are the things that I lovingly remember about her. So, yeah. so that's what we're doing. And then I'm um, having people put photos into the purse as well. Um, so that, so I, I want that first. Soon as that is done, I'm hitting the ground running with the edits for the cookbook. Yeah, Please. you've got to get, you also have to have time to, well, first of all, you're in August on the 14th when you do bury her or, or whatever you're doing. Yeah, bury, yeah. It's, we're burying um, the ashes in, in a vault. Yeah, so when you when you do that, you still have family and friends and you are still going through the mourning process. And yeah. so then how can you even think about that editing right well, now? Like your brain lost, just needs to- We lost we lost six people altogether, yeah. family-wide. Family um, one to cancer and five uh, to COVID-related issues. So- we decided since we could not be together, I, I decided that I wanted a family reunion. So yep, yep. I, I, I'm the one in charge of it. And I arranged it and I was like, yes, it's for my mom, but I want everybody to be there. Yep. And, and so there's a restaurant right next to the cemetery. So I said, do you have a room? And they gave me a room, you know. It's, oh, so, good. So, uh, so we're going memorial, go to the grave site, go back for lunch and, and, and chatting with family and, and, you know, just making sure that everybody's happy and together. And um, do you think you'll then, read some some from the book? On I'm actually the reading the introduction to Shit My Mama Says as my tribute to my mom because it is our story. It's her. It's basically her eulogy. Yeah. Um, you know, in in Escape to Ravioli Mountain, I talk about every relative that's passed, and in this, it's just about me and mom. And perfect. It's just, and it's just our time together. And how we navigated that crazy, that crazy time and those, those crazy waters. I think just hearing your story and, and, and being able to laugh through pain um, will help so many people who um, are struggling right now, maybe, maybe continuing to struggle too. I also um, think that people should, I, I hate to say this and, and, and it doesn't, it's, I, I needed to be comfortable being around death. Yeah. And I needed to, because I was traumatized as a child, seeing yeah. people in a basket, all yeah. made up, looking like they could sit up and talk to you, but yeah. you saw them in the hospital emaciated. So it was like, the, and I never understood why I was so visceral of a response, but getting more comfortable with the process and with the way that, you know, we, we memorialize our, our past, people who have passed. Um, that took a while, but I got comfortable with expecting my mom to pass and i had a lot of anticipatory grief yeah don't you don't know you don't know how you're going to respond until you're sitting in the room right dead relative right and 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 it's something that can be very peaceful and very sweet it can also be very jarring so yeah i i prepared myself for that and that took a long time to yeah. really get to understand that. And, uh, and I don't, rec I don't recommend you, you know, go start working as a mortician, No, nope. <laughs> but, but, but being comfortable with the idea that we are all going to die sometime. So before you die, take the steps to do what you want to do. And that's why, like I said, writing a book was never a goal, but 
I'm glad I did it because it absolutely. Was, well, it's it really probably amazing. cathartic and healing. Yeah. And, and, and I know you did it for the reasons why you did it, but like you yeah. said to me during the break, you probably did it more for yourself. Um, yeah. 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 And you, as when you were telling me, most to do actors your, have a yeah. huge ego and I'm not, I'm not one to sit back and deny that. <laughs> and I, 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 but I did, I did it to prove to myself that I could do it. Yeah. Also did it to because Honor your mom special. Yeah. It was so funny. She was so, um, she just had this infectious way of, of entertaining a room. Like if she had the, if she had somebody to mentor her, she would have been a stand-up comic. Yep, I bet. She would have been, she would have been like the country and Western version of an Italian Joan Rivers. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <perfect>. <laughs> you know what I mean? She would have been that biting sarcasm yeah. because that's who she was. And yeah. I wanted to make, and I wanted to, I wanted to share her with people. And when I did that, and when I did that with people in my social media, that's what made me, say i have to put this out there because my mom wasn't famous she no. wasn't she wouldn't you know she was a very simple woman who you know lived a very simple life but to me she was this larger than life personality that everybody should get to know well we're going to be able to get to know her even just a little bit more after talking to you through that book i can't wait to get my copy um and again bobby i'm buying it so don't <laughs> Don't send me, but I'll send you my address. You know, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I will. I, you know, I've done this for other podcasts too. Like, you know, I, I, I will, I will gladly sign a copy for you too, you know, so you have an, I'll tell you what, I'll buy the damn thing. I'll ship it to you. <laughs> you can sign it and then, or I okay. can Venmo you if you so, get a copy and I'll Venmo you the book. Whatever, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever works. But again, I'm oh, I'm looking to, forward to it. I can't wait I to read so, the quotes. I can't yeah. wait. And I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I do have three questions to ask yes. you before we go. And I ask everyone these questions. So okay. you ready? Yep. And you probably, if you listen to any of my episodes, you may have heard them, but that's okay if you didn't listen to any of my episodes. Oh, no, okay. I listen, I no, listen. it's. I do my due diligence. I listen You're to good. It, so You're good. Oh, no, you know? All right, I'm going to change no. them. Oh, no. um, <laughs> so, what, when you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you are doing? Ah. Oh. No, that's that. It's funny because like my most peaceful moments are usually right before I fall asleep. Mm -hmm. um, usually when I find my 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 comfort zone, um, but also like sitting by a lake or a river, sitting with nature alone, um, just looking out at the water or looking at, you know, geese or swans or anything like that. Sitting in nature is I don't, I live in New York, so I don't have a house. Oh, yeah. I don't mm -hmm. have a backyard um, that, that has, you know, wildlife, but that is a dream because I grew up on the top of a mountain in Pennsylvania, <laughs> but that was always peaceful. My favorite place on the earth is, was um, behind our house about 500 yards down a hill. There was a beautiful Creek and it had a tiny little pond. Yeah. at the beginning of it and it was just this natural spring that came out of the water and i would sit there in the leaves and just like just mesmerized looking at the the calmness of the water and every now and then a squirrel or a deer would walk by or you know some other some other animal would interrupt interrupt it but it was so peaceful it was so i bet yeah mean. 
And when nature I, when is I very meditate, healing. Yeah. When I meditate, I imagine being at that creek. <gasps> do you meditate? I do. I Yay! actually, I actually used to, um, I actually used to write meditations. Oh, um, nice. In the early '90s, I learned how to do uh, to write meditations. I volunteered at a place called the Living Room mm-hmm. in uh, St. Vincent's Hospital for AIDS patients. Mm-hmm. So one friend of mine who was a hypnotherapist and meditation guide taught me the basics of meditation. Mm-hmm. And um, so this was a skill set, multi-hyphenated skill set that was from way back in my, my days. Nice. Um, but during the, during the uh, pandemic, I wrote uh, a couple and put them on my YouTube channel so that- Oh, that's fabulous. I didn't know that. People, yeah. So people could actually, um, you know, just have something to calm themselves because that was a horrible yeah. time for everybody. But meditation helped during all of that. That's, I'm so happy, warms my heart <laughs> as a meditation teacher. Okay, um, second question. So if you were to recommend a book that changed your life, if there is one, there might not be. Some people don't read books. Um, I, do, I do have one. <laughs> what is it? Uh, like a Lampshade in a Whorehouse, The okay. life, and, life and Comedy of Phyllis Diller. Oh, I love her. So this is a woman who inspired me in so many ways. And when I, and she also has a great, uh, before she died, she put out a, uh, a DVD called Good Night, We Love You. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just goes through her life story of being a stand-up comic and what her life and comedy was. You know, like she had, she had a husband, but in her act, she always talked about her husband, Fang. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so mm-hmm. she had this imaginary husband in, the, in her act. But she was just so uh, instrumental in me learning stand-up you know i was um richard pryor eddie murphy uh george carlin um joan rivers Whoopi goldberg louis anderson robin williams are all my heroes yeah um, because comedy is a science and they all were mastered mastered it yeah but yeah. that book changed my life forever because i learned so much about her process and it helped yeah. me learn about ways that i can entertain people with my humor I love it. Okay. Last question. And then we'll be done. If money wasn't an object, what would you be doing? If you didn't have to worry about what you were getting paid? I would, I would definitely be working on Broadway as an actor. Awesome. Um, What I find right now, which is kind of sad is that our, the industry of theater and movies um, is, is monopolized by people who have lots of money. Why? Because they don't have to work to pay their rent uh, at the end of the day they can just go to auditions, go to classes, um, do showcases and whatnot. They can just focus on their art. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would definitely, if, I, if money wasn't an option, I would certainly be putting money into different avenues for people without resources mm-hmm. to, be able to, to be able to really live. Give them the opportunity. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I moved to New York with $35 in my pocket. Wow. Um, my parents didn't want anything to do with theater, didn't want anything to do with the entertainment industry. They wanted me to get married, have kids and work in a uh, factory for the rest of my life. Um, I didn't want any of that. My dance teacher, Kathy Joe, picked me up. We filled her station wagon with all my belongings and I had $35 in my bank account. And I How old were you when that happened? I never tell my age, but it was- Oh my God, you don't have to. It was sometime in the eighties, back before <laughs> you were born. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so that's I had, right. I was born in the eighties, everybody. 
so I was so it was uh, that's it was, so you were young were you young. Um, you were young I was still in co- I was still in college I had dropped yeah. out of college to move to New York I got a full scholarship to uh, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy here in New oh my York. gosh that's fabulous and that started my theatrical career and my family didn't want anything to do with it and then when they heard I was getting work yeah they drove up to Connecticut to see a production of uh, I did um, I was in the musical version, the stage version of the musical Singing in the Rain. You've seen the Debbie Reynolds movie. Oh, I've seen the movie. We've seen it a hundred times. Well, there was a stage version and we had actually rained on stage and I was, you know, tap dancing in the chorus, but everybody drove up because they were so curious and they were like, what is this? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you doing it? And then they realized seeing me, that's what I wanted to do. And, they and hope they, I hope they were happy at that they, point. They were, and they, and that changed for them. They, they, they did come to New York for my graduation from AMDA, from the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. And um, so that really made a big difference in- Yeah, that's uh, huge. You know, and because my grandmother was like, oh, you're going to school for theater. Yeah. Why don't you go for computers? You know, and I'm like, I wish I would have listened to her because going to school for computers in the eighties would have set me up <laughs> for life because if that, you, you would not be who you are today I and that would not be what no. you're supposed to be doing no. and you would be miserable I, I know it I can tell but that's but that's that's what I would do I would I would focus on my art enough to and help others to do the turn, same turn escaped ravioli mountain into a one-man show yes and and, and then I would uh, listen help. the second that happens I demand <laughs> front row tickets I'll pay for them but you got to get me in I will get you'll you promise you will be there honestly if it happens when it happens uh, and I'll say this was my idea <laughs> just <kidding>. yeah <laughs> you'll just stand up at the curtain call my idea my idea <laughs> I know it wasn't I know but it's such a great idea yeah. okay all right we should wrap things up um yeah. thank you so much Bobby again for being here and taking all of this time out of your day I really do appreciate you thank you and your time and your story. Again, it's Bobby Hedgeland Taylor. I'm going to say everything one more time before we stop. So Instagram, if you want to follow Bobby anywhere, jump on Instagram. Escape to Ravioli Mountain is one of his handles, but you can also follow him at Bobby. <laughs> I almost said your name funny. Bobby Hedgeland Taylor or Weddings by Bobby. You can actually get married by this person, <laughs> which would be so much fun. Um, and if you want to get on his mailing list, it's escape to ravioli mountain at gmail.com and his two books, hashtag shit. My mama says should be out by the time this podcast airs. Um, I will, you know, what I'll do is when it's released, if there is a link for people to buy, I'll just put it in my social medias. It might be, it might happen. I like, I, I literally just saw an email pop up and it was from, uh, somebody who's helping me with publishing. So we may, we actually may have to hit, hit, uh, send on Monday, but it's still going to happen. That's okay. No, no, that's okay. No worries. We'll still wait for it because it seems like such a great book to get for everyone on your Mm -hmm. holiday shopping list. And then, (laughs) and then, um, the escape to ravioli mountain Italian cookbook is not coming out yet, but is very soon. You just I would say, to work on, yeah. I would say by Christmas that will be perfect. Wouldn't that be perfect? Same scent. You know that. My goal originally was Christmas Day of 2020 was yeah. my goal to have the cookbook released, but uh, it just wasn't. The timing wasn't there. No, that's okay. Um, you know, we were dealing with a lot of stuff at that. No, time. No, 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 no. Don't but you even? I, yeah. I, but mom's birthday, 
Christmas shopping time, both books should be available. But mom, I can't but my wait. Mom's birthday next month. Mom's uh, Leo, August seventh was her birthday. So I can't wait. I cannot wait. Um, and I'm so excited that this podcast is coming out the day before. Yeah. So thank you again, Bobby. It has been such a pleasure to get to know you a little bit more. And I hope people will follow you on your Instagram and get on your mailing list. I don't think I'm on your mailing list yet, but I'm going to do that when I hang up. I haven't sent an email yet, but I'm going to sneak you on there anyway. (laughs) Get me on there. Get me on there. Okay. So nice to talk to you. Thank Thank you. you. And thanks for your time. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Heal. Thank you to Bobby Hedgeland-Taylor. Hopefully my Brit will be back soon for our next episode. Um, Until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Bye.